Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Sunday School Hour here at Faith Baptist Church. Uh, it's a little bit different today. Our doors are not open to the public today. Um, hopefully, even if you check our hours for today on our Google page, uh, it'll say that we're closed today. Because we have some sickness in the house, and by some, I mean basically everybody. Uh, my mom has COVID. Amanda has strep throat. The kids, while not running a fever or having anything too intense, they've been uh, hacking and coughing like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's been a lot of sickness in the house. Uh, didn't get a whole lot of sleep last night, as a matter of fact, from little ones sleeping in the bed with us, tending to them. Somebody with their feet in my back all night long. Sorry. It's okay. But uh, <clears throat> we are going to have online services, so hopefully you're finding this while we're live. Uh, if you're finding this after the fact, uh, we're just grateful to have you guys watching. Uh, if you'll click that little thumb on the video, that'll really help us out. Uh, it'll get this video out to all kinds of other people who will be able to enjoy it as well. Hopefully it'll be a blessing to you. All right. Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Matthew, chapter number 28. Your name is Matthew. That's my name. Wow. Where do you think they got the idea to name me that? <laughs> the hmm. Bible. Maybe the Bible. What's your name? Elizabeth. Your name is Elizabeth. Where do you suppose we got the idea to name you Elizabeth? The Bible. The Bible. Yeah. And hey, God's your name. Your name's Esalam Alakin, isn't it? No. No. No, I know what it is. It starts with a J. I know. It starts with a J. <laughs> it's Jeremiah. No, no. It's, don't tell me, don't tell me. It's Josephine. No. J-A-C-O-B. No. J-A-C-O-B, of course. That spells Joe Bob. Obviously, his name no. is Joe Bob. No, J-A-C-O-B, Jacob. Oh, your name is Jacob. Jacob's a cool name. Where do you suppose we got the idea to name you Jacob? The Bible. The Bible is exactly right. Here in Matthew 28, we see the name of another very important person. We're going to start reading in verse 18. You guys have your Bibles with you? No. Oh, you should always bring your Bible to church. Always, always. And I know for you, the commute is especially easy. So you should definitely always have your Bible every week. Now, Jacob, since you're sitting next to mommy, maybe be kind enough to share her Bible with you a little bit. And you can tell me just real quick, just for a second. What name we see in verse 18 of Matthew 28? Catch you off guard. <laughs> you guys ever get a new Bible and you have to relearn where all the books are? They're all in the same order, but the page number is very different. And stuff is on the different sides of different pages. Now, verse 18, what important name do we see, Jacob? It's the second Jesus. word. There you go. It's Jesus. Very good. Now, if you have a 
let's say it's a teacher's assistant. You guys ever had a teacher's assistant in school? Uh, Somebody who's there just to kind of help the teacher out? Yes. Yes. Her name is Miss Brianna. Miss Brianna. Very cool. Yes, sir? Mine is, um, Miss... Did you forget her name? Isabel. I'm on Isabel. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm really bad with names. But you had one, too? Yeah. Awesome. Now, how, how many of you guys know that it's important to listen to the teacher's assistant? That's important, right? Yeah. Now, how many of you guys know it's even more important to listen to the teacher? Right? Yeah. Now, how much more important? Now, how many of you guys know that it's more important even than that to listen to the principal? Right? Yeah. Now, it's important... To listen to your moms and dads, right? Yeah, we know that. But it's even more important than that to listen to Jesus, isn't it? I want you to listen to me. I'm your dad. But even more than me, I want you to learn to listen to everything Jesus says. You know it, Lizzie? Yeah. Okay. You set that down for a second? Thank you. Now, what we're about to read is something very important that Jesus gave to the church to do. It's a special job the church is supposed to do. We're going to learn about it today. We're continuing on in our series, Why We Believe What We Believe About the Church. Today, we're talking about the Great Commission. Thank you. We're talking about the Great Commission. And the Great Commission, who knows what a commission is? You got a guess? Let's hear it. Um, uh, a commission is go on a hunt. On a hunt? Well, that's a hunt. Well, that's close. But a commission is like an order. Like, imagine you're in the army, right? And you get these papers. Right, they hand you your papers, and they tell you where you're fixing to travel to and what you'll be doing when you get there. Right? That's a commission. You got your orders, you know where to go, and you know what to do. That's your commission. Well, Jesus has given us, as a church, a great commission. He's going to tell us what we ought to be doing as a church. So we're going to start in Matthew 28. It says in verse 18, And Jesus, as Jacob told us, came and spake unto them. Now who is the them? Do you guys know who them is? Who's Jesus talking to here? Do you have any guess at all? Matthew? Well, he's one of them. You're partway right, Jacob. Peter. Peter, he's another one of them. The disciples, also known as why we believe what we believe about Jesus. The name of the series we're doing right now. You can do it. Why we believe what we believe about we've already covered Okay. The church. church. I said that. Oh, good job. Why we believe, we're talking about why we believe what we believe about the church. We left why we believe what we believe about the Bible off about three, four months ago. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. 
But Jesus is talking to the church. Now, the church in his day was a lot smaller than the amount of Christians that exist in the world today. There's a lot of Christians in the world today. There is. Now, you'll notice if you had your Bibles today, you'd notice that what we're about to read changes from black letters to red letters. Does anybody know why they changed to red letters? What does that mean, Jacob? That's exactly right. That means Jesus is talking. Very good. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, here we go. This is what Jesus told the church. You ready? All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So the first thing Jesus wants you to know this morning is that he has all the power in heaven and here on earth. Jesus has all the power. A book about Jesus. That was very sweet of your teacher. That's very good. And did you know that Jesus has all the power in all the world? Jesus is all powerful. Here and in heaven. In both places, Jesus is all powerful. And he wants you to know that first. Yeah. Okay. Um, what is he? But what does he need in heaven? That's a very good question. Or, yeah, that's a really good question. Why, is, why, do, why do why do people in heaven? They don't need gold. You don't need anything in heaven. Everything in heaven is for pleasure. Is for happiness. It's for joy. There's no pain. There's no hunger. There's no thirst in heaven. There's no having to go to the bathroom. What the? It's just happiness and peace forever and ever and ever. Now, to answer your question. There's nothing Jesus has to do because nothing's wrong. But the Bible tells us that when we go to heaven... We have a mansion waiting for us when we get to heaven. Did you know that? You get your own mansion. It's a, it's a huge house. Like, um, like uh, Bruce Wayne, he lives in a mansion because he's rich. There you go. That too. Um, that's what a mansion is. We each in heaven get our own Mansion. Now, who do you imagine builds that? Jesus. Jesus. That's exactly right. And he's using all his power in heaven and earth to show us love and kindness and help. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. <clears throat> so he wants us to know that about him before he tells us what we're supposed to be doing. So here's the part where he tells us what to do. Now, what did we say a commission was? It tells you two things. It tells you where to go, where to go and, what to do. and what to do. Exactly right. Where to go and what to do. Now, the first part <laughs> is where to go. 
He says, go ye therefore. Exactly. That's a little confusing. Go ye therefore? That's not a place, is it? No. I, that's not even a word, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's an old word. People don't really use it anymore. But go ye therefore just means to go wherever it is that you happen to be. Right? As you're going about your days, you're living your life, as you're talking to your friends, as you're talking to your family, as you're at school, you're at home, you're living your life. Go ye therefore. Wherever you are is wherever God sent you. You go to the school you go because that's the way God orchestrated your life. You have the friends that you have because that's the way God planned it. All of the things in our life are part of a master plan that God has orchestrated for the whole world. And he says, go ye therefore, and here's the part, not just where we go, now here's the part where we do. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Teach all nations. Now, it's the church's job to go out into the world and teach well, that's a pretty neat little commission, isn't it? That's your job. You're to go out into the world, and you're to teach. But what are you supposed to teach? Do you think Jesus sent us out into the world to teach the world about math? No, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think Jesus is sending the church out in the world to teach us about math. Do you think... Jesus sent the church out in the world to teach them about giraffes? No! No. Do you think Jesus sent the church out into the world to teach people about taxes? No. No. Definitely not tattoos. Taxes. I said. I know. He says, teaching all nations, and this is what we teach them about. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son... And of the Holy Ghost for teaching people about God. Now, how do we know about God? We are doing church. Right, but how does the church know about God? So reading the Bible. Exactly, the Bible. So how can you teach somebody else about God? Reading the Bible. By reading the Bible, exactly. So we can do our job if we'll read our Bibles. And that's the only way you can efficiently follow the Great Commission is by knowing your Bible. Now, folks, can I tell you that there is no book in the world more important for you to learn than your Bible. You can have your favorite books. Maybe you read the Harry Potter series and you love that series and that's fine. That's all well and good. Maybe you love to read the classics. Maybe you love Treasure Island, and that's your favorite book, and that's all fine and well and good and wonderful. Maybe you can tell me exactly what happens in each chapter of Lord of the Rings, and I think that's fantastic. But there is no book in the world that you should know any better than this book right here, the Bible. You should know what's in each of these books. If I said right now, tell me about the book of Exodus, you should be able to rattle off the stories in the book of Exodus. You should know when it starts. You should know where it stops. You should know how many chapters are in each book. 
You should know how many books are in the Old Testament, how many books are in the New Testament. If somebody asks you what you believe about something, you should have Bible verses in your head ready to go for why you believe what you believe. There is no book more important for us to know in our lives than the Bible. And let me tell you why. Now, what did God use to create the world? Somebody tell me. Izzy's had her hand up for a while. Go with her first. Can you answer our question? Because we'll come to that later. Do you know what God used to create the world? No? Okay. Jacob, what did God use to create the world? Do you know? Okay. God, do you remember the story of creation? The Bible said, God said, let there be light, and there was light. forgot about that one. Right. So what did God use to create the universe? His, his words, right? God used nothing but his words to make everything. So, that means... That God's words are the most powerful things in the world. Do you know what we call the Bible? You know what they you know what people call the Bible? They call it the Word of God. So that when you read your Bible, you're reading one of the most powerful things in the world. And Jesus wants to go out and wants the church to go out in the world and teach people about his word. Now, you know what I find happens in the world a lot of times? Christians will go out into the world and use the Bible to push a political agenda. I find that, that a lot of Christians will go out in the world and push mostly a conservative uh, political agenda, a Republican agenda. Now, that's not to say there aren't Democratic Christians, and there are. And that's not to say that there aren't some very good Christians that are Democrats, because there are. But by and large, I see a lot of the Bible being used to further some sort of politics, rather than letting the Bible speak for itself anymore. We want to know why people aren't interested in church anymore, and we want to know why people aren't interested in the Bible anymore, and it's because we've turned it into politics. We've made it all about uh, the, the conservative or the liberal agenda. And God's not for the conservatives. He's not for the liberals. Those people can be for God, but it doesn't work the other way around. God is neither a Democrat nor is he a Republican. He's God. <coughs> Democrats or Republicans can be for the Lord, not the other way around. But God sent us out into the world to teach about him, to teach about the world, or to teach about the Lord to the world. And if we would let the Bible speak for itself, people would rediscover their fascination with it. When we teach the Bible the way it's meant to be taught, people would rediscover a fascination. I can't tell you how many young people, even in my 20s, how many guys my own age, uh, we would sit and talk just for hours 
about various things about the Bible. I had a young man in my office earlier this week that just sat for, it was Wednesday night, and it was a few minutes before Wednesday night, and me and him just sat in there and talked about the Bible for the longest time. I was almost late getting started on Wednesday, because we were just so talking about the Bible. You see, they're not losing their interest in God, and they're not losing their interest in the Word of God. They're losing their interest in your politics. Let the Bible speak for itself. Go out into the world. Don't teach about politicians. Teach about Jesus. Don't teach about the Constitution. Teach about the Bible. That's what people need. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them. Now, can somebody tell me what baptism is? What is baptism? Does anybody know? If somebody gets baptized, what happens? Lizzie? Mm-hmm. Saved. No. Baptism is not getting saved. That's a good guess, though. Yes, sir. What happens, Jacob, when a person gets baptized? So when a person gets baptized, um, pastor mm-hmm. um, that go that 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 there that goes to that goes to church. Yeah, their pastor. Yeah, did dumps them in a pile in in a big lake or tub of water. It dunks them in the tub of water. That's exactly right. Now, baptism is something that happens after you get saved. Getting saved is something that takes place here. It takes place right here in your heart. It's not something we do outside. It's something that you choose to believe in in your heart. And baptism is when you go all the way under the water, right? Completely submerged underwater, and the pastor brings you back up, right? And in verse 20, Jesus says, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. You know what he says there? He says it's the church's job to teach the whole Bible. All things whatsoever I have commanded you. Everything from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Somebody going to correct me on that? Let's turn to Revelation 22 real quick. Revelation 22, verse 20 says, He which testifies these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. That's the end of the Bible. That's the whole thing. That's the end from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22. Everything in there. We're supposed to take it all. We're supposed to study it all. We're supposed to absorb it all. And we're supposed to teach it all. Not just the parts we think are going to go over well. Not just the parts that people like. But all things whatsoever I have commanded you. There's some stuff in there that's not very popular with some people. Uh, in some parts of the country and even some parts of the world. But we're supposed to observe all things. Hey, it's not always fun for me to 
observe uh, some of the, the things that I don't enjoy doing. The Bible refers to our bodies as the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we talk about how uh, we ought to take care of our bodies, which are the Holy Spirit. Right? And we like to say that that applies to smoking, and that applies to liquor, and all these things that are bad for our bodies. It's a, drinking alcohol isn't bad for your body. It absolutely is. I never got to meet my grandfather because he passed away. Because he drank too much. Cirrhosis of the liver. It's not meant to be drank that way. But when we're going to talk about our bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit, there's other facets to that, isn't there? There's uh, eating healthier. If we're going to talk about our bodies being the Holy Spirit, that's a part of it, isn't it? If we're going to talk about our bodies being the Holy Spirit, it's also about getting enough exercise. Right? That's all a part of it if we're talking about our bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, those aren't assets of that that we like to attribute to. And they're easy to ignore. Because not a lot of people talk about them. But it doesn't mean it's not part of all of Scripture. The Bible in a couple of different places mentions the phrase gluttony. Never in a positive light. The Bible is very specific about how we treat our bodies. And that's part of whatsoever I have commanded you. Right? We like to focus on uh, people who don't tithe and talk about how much of a sin it is not to tithe. Uh, but we don't mind if somebody takes a smoke break in between services outside. I have heard pastors say that you don't, you're not really doing your job right as an outreach to the community if you don't have cigarette butts sitting outside the church. Right? I've heard that before. And you know what? I agree with the sentiment. I absolutely do. I agree with the concept that we ought to have people comfortable enough to come to church that aren't necessarily the typical church type person that you might usually expect to see. I think those kind of people should feel very welcome in church, and I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But then at the same time, how are we going to sit and make people who don't tithe more uncomfortable than people who are smoking outside the church? All things whatsoever I have commanded you. Let's take a look at Mark 16 now. Mark chapter 16. Start reading in verse 14, which says, Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had said, uh, them which had seen him after he was risen. <coughs> so he's correcting them for their doubt concerning Resurrection Sunday. And following that up, in verse 15, it says, He said unto them, Go ye into all the world. So here's another part of our great commission. Now, part of that commission, as he told us, was where to go. Right? That's part of a commission, where to go. Now, we get a little more instruction. 
You know where Jesus told you to go, Lizzie? He told you to go into all the world. He told you to go to the whole world. Do you know that? That sounds kind of hard to do, doesn't it? How can we go to the whole world? Well, there's a few ways we can do that. You can go out into the whole world by prayer. You can pray for people around the whole world. Your prayers will stretch out up into heaven and appeal to the Heavenly Father on behalf of anyone who's anywhere. <clears throat> we can reach out to the world in prayer. We can reach out into the world <clears throat> with missions. There are these people who give up everything they know in, the, in their life and they travel to other countries where there's not a whole lot of Christians to do so. And they start churches and they spread the gospel. And it's a, a very important work. And one uh, which nobody has uh, reached out uh, as interested in our, uh, in our support of. I haven't had a single missionary give me a phone call. I'd be very interested in it. Just haven't had the opportunity yet. And that's one way we can reach out is with missions. <clears throat> we can reach out to the world on social media. We live in a world, it's 2022, it's fixing to be 2023, and technology is so advanced and it's in such a way where you can post something on your Facebook page or you can post a video to YouTube or you can post a TikTok video and somebody on the other side of the planet can accidentally stumble across it. You never know. I, I do these videos on Facebook, and we put this out here, and there are people from countries around the world. There are people in India. Uh, when we put this up on the podcast, there are people in China and Japan who listen to these messages and receive the Word of God. You never know how far your outreach will actually go. There are, we have so many opportunities to reach out into the world today that we didn't have 10 years ago. And it's a truly incredible thing, and the thing that we should take more advantage of, to go out into the world like we could never before. He says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, other than me, how many preachers do we have in the house today? <laughs> Raise your hand if you're a preacher here today. Did you know that you're all preachers? Yeah, you're all preachers, every one of you. Jacob's a preacher. Amanda's a preacher. Lizzie's a preacher. Every Christian watching this broadcast is a preacher. You know, if you go into the original languages and you look at the word preacher, you know what it means? It means a sent one. It means a person that's sent with a very important message. That's all a preacher is, is a person sent from God who's got a very important message. And each and every one of us has a very important message to give to the world. You know what we call it? <clears throat> we call it the gospel. And it goes a little something like this. Everybody's a sinner. Everybody's a sinner. Did you know that? I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, he's a sinner, we're all sinners. And that sin has a price that must be paid. It's not free. When we sin, we, we 
earn ourselves a spot in a very terrible place called hell. That's where sinners wind up at, is this very terrible place called hell. A burning lake of fire that goes on forever and ever. But the good news is that Jesus Christ, when he went on the cross, he died on the cross, he paid for our sins on that cross. So we don't have to go to that terrible place called hell. If we will call upon the name of the Lord in salvation, we'll repent of our sins and will believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ died for our sins. Then we will be saved. And we will know for sure we have a home waiting for us in heaven. That's the gospel message. That's the very important message each and every one of us have been sent out into the world to give. Because everybody needs a chance to answer to that. Everybody needs a chance to choose whether or not they're going to accept Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior. Preach the gospel to who? To people you like? To people that think the way that you do? To people you get along with? People that are nice to you. Preach the gospel to every white person. Preach the gospel to every man. No. It says preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. Now, I don't think it's written that way on accident. I think that Jesus did not mean that you should be preaching the gospel to your dog. I don't think that's what he meant. What the? Exactly. How would you do that? I think he understood that there were going to be some pretty terrible people that when he said preach the gospel to every person or to every one, they would think of somebody of a different race than them to be less than a person. That if you're talking about women... You're talking about somebody who's less than a person, is what some of these people seem to think. So Jesus said, nobody's exempt from this. Preach the gospel to every creature. Did you know that there was a time in American history where a black man was considered to be 0.5 of a citizen? They were considered to be not a full citizen. There was a time in this country where women weren't even given a vote. Their votes weren't considered by half. Their votes weren't considered, period. It is sad but necessary that Jesus would let us know to preach the gospel to every creature. Nobody's beneath you. We're all just sinners. But Jesus wanted you to know even those people you think of as less than you, need the gospel too. You shouldn't think of them as less than you. But they need the gospel too. They get saved the same way that you do. The the Savior loves them the same way that he loves you. You're not above anybody. Every creature. 
Jesus says in verse 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And that's where that Church of Christ crowd pops in. And they say, you see, Pastor, you see, right there it is, right there. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Did it say he that believes shall be saved? Well, let's keep reading there, Gomer. Let's see what it says. And he, But he that believeth not shall be damned. That's the person that's going to be damned. The person that believes not. The person that chooses not to believe is damned. Not the person that doesn't get baptized. It didn't say he that believeth not or is not baptized. It said he that believeth not is damned. It did not add baptism to salvation. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. This, These last two were specifically for that transitional phase. Don't go picking up a, a, a Texas rattlesnake outside your house and letting it bite you to prove a point. There are people that do that. There really are. Don't think that you can stand up in the middle of a church service to interrupt the preacher and go, and that somebody's going to understand what you're saying. It is a bunch of gibberish. Don't think that you can go find some demon-possessed guy out here, because demons do still possess people, by the way. But don't think you can come out here and find some demon-possessed guy out here and stand up to him and go, in the name of Jesus, I command you, come out of him. Because you don't have that authority. You don't have the authority to cast out demons. We don't have that authority. That was a transitional office for a transitional phase. And these things don't exist anymore. But you know what does exist this morning? Preach the gospel to every creature. Somebody walked up. You want to throw a mask on and explain to him? Sorry, guys, we tried to put the message out there on Facebook. I put it on the, the Google page to let everybody know that we unfortunately are not having services today. Um, I, if, I, if I have your number, if you'll, if you'll leave an email or phone number or something, I will personally let you know when we're not having service to try to keep you from wasting your time driving up here. I do apologize for that, but I did literally everything I could. Um, anyway, <clears throat> let's uh, let's look now at Luke 24 for our last portion of scripture this morning. Luke chapter 24. It's going to be our last bit of Bible this morning before the morning service. Now, I, I do think that I'm going to condense the morning service. So normally, we do all the songs, right? And we do the offertory. We do the announcements. And we're going to do some of that. But it won't be as long a service even this morning. It's that one. <clears throat> um, so Luke 24. Paying attention. Luke 24. There we go. And we're going to start reading in verse 46 because Luke 24 is very, very long. Bible says, and said unto them, now who can you imagine, okay, now who can you imagine said, who was speaking here, if we had to guess, who do we think it was? 
Yes, sir. Matthew or Peter? No. Let me give you a hint. The letters are red. Yeah. Jesus is right. Good job, you guys. Right. You also could have had your Bible. Right. Yeah, it's okay. Just for next time. Bring your Bibles to church. You know what I used to do when I was running junior church? Any church I worked at where I was running junior church, if you brought your Bible to church, you got an extra prize. What? An extra piece of candy or an extra toy or whatever it was that day. You got an extra one just for bringing your Bible. You can always bring your Bibles to church, right? Now, Luke 24 says in verse 46, And said unto them, <clears throat> Thus it is written, And thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. So that, that's talking about the resurrection of Jesus. He rised from the dead, and he defeated all of the sins for us. He defeated the devil, and defeated death for us. Verse 47 says, And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. So there it is again. Beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. Now, who here has heard the phrase soul winning? Ever heard anybody talk about going soul winning? Yes. Or doing soul winning? Now, if you kids may not have heard that, and the phrase soul winning just quite simply means going out and telling people about Jesus, telling them about how to be saved. Yes. You've heard of that before? Yeah. Yeah. Now, we get that phrase about, about witnessing and soul winning from the Bible. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, he that winneth souls is wise. And then we talk about here in verse 48, ye are witnesses of these things. Now, how many people here this morning were there when Jesus was resurrected from the grave? How many of them were there on that, that Sunday thousands of years ago? Nobody? Nobody was around thousands of years ago? Okay. Well, how many were there when Jesus went back up into heaven 40 days afterwards? Nobody? So then how were we witnesses of these things? We may not have witnessed what Jesus did in those days, but you have witnessed what Jesus has done for you. That's the important part. You know, if you're here this morning and you're saved, you know... What Jesus did for you. You know how he saved you from your sins by dying on the cross. And all you have to do is believe in your heart that Jesus has saved you. Call upon his name in prayer, asking forgiveness and asking him to save you. And you're saved. And it's as easy as that. And you know what Jesus did for you, and that is what you're a witness of. And you see not only how he saved you, but how after he saved you, he began to grow you, and he began to change you. He began to help you become a better person and a better Christian. How he helped you want to know your Bible better. How he helped you have a yearning for prayer. You know what I love about my kids? They will argue. Most people don't enjoy their kids arguing, but they will argue over who gets to pray over the meal. I think that's a fantastic thing. They both want to pray, and here's the solution we found. 
whoever raised their hand or asked first, they get to pray first, and then the other one prays after them. So they both pray. Our meals are doubly blessed. But these are the things we're witnesses of. The things that God has done inside of us, in our hearts, in our minds. And we go out into the world and we tell them what Jesus has done for us, how he saved us from our sins, and how he can save them as well. That is the Great Commission of the church. And that is all the time we have for this morning. I want to thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, be sure to leave a thumbs up, that like button on this video. That super helps us out. And we'll be back at 11 o'clock for the morning service. Thank you.